0: Welcome to this week's episode of the Founder and the Force Multiplier podcast, where we explore how founders and leaders work together with their right-hand partners to turn ideas into action and build wildly successful businesses. Today I am speaking with Maggie Olson. With an extensive experience at some of the biggest companies in retail, food and beverage, and technology, Maggie has stepped into new roles, new industries, and new businesses and transformed teams and businesses from the ground up over and over again. Maggie's approach is upbeat, curious, collaborative, and culture-first. Her solid business acumen, unwavering curiosity, and genuine passion for employee culture provide her the ability to fill any gaps necessary for a team's success, and with over two decades of experience leading teams across varying industries and businesses, she has a wealth of tools, resources, and experiences to draw from. In her most recent corporate role working as chief of staff to the president of a Fortune 40 company, a multi-billion dollar business with 5,000-plus employees. Maggie built the president's chief of staff model from the ground up. In doing so, she created a highly successful team, drove major organizational efficiencies, and implemented an executive back office process and structure that will be in place for years to come. Recently, Maggie launched the online chief of staff certification course, which you will learn more about today on the podcast. I had so much fun talking with Maggie and learning about her career transition, course development process, career advice, what being a fractional chief of staff means and what that is like as well. Really excited to share more about the course with you today. If only there had been a course like that when I was first entering the role almost a decade ago. But thanks to Maggie, now there is. If you enjoyed this episode as much as I think you will, then be sure to let us know in all the usual places, such as leaving a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening to this episode. Hello, Maggie. Welcome to the podcast. It's so great to have you here. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. I have been looking forward to this. Me too. So we are going to be getting into your new chief of staff certification. We're going to be talking about all things chief of staff. I have so many questions for you. Ready to dive in? I'm ready. I'm super excited. Cool. So let's start off. I'd love to just have you share with all of our listeners a little bit about your career path, your career history, and how you got into consulting from the chief of staff role.
1: Yeah, great question. It's always fun reflecting back down memory lane. Let's see. I probably would start this story by mentioning that I had a lot of early leadership experience. So somehow or another, I started working in the food and beverage industry. And that is a great place to learn so many lessons. So is the sports field, which <laughs> or court or wherever you, you know you play your sport. I was a volleyball player after I was oh, a nice. soccer player. But I ended up working in food and beverage and leading teams between, gosh, 20 to 40 people in kind of a resort environment. And from there, you know, that was through college. And then I moved into a few different positions where that early leadership experience really, really helped. So I was a buyer, a buy planner for Nordstrom. I started out as an assistant. And what's cool about, you know, thinking about kind of the reflection in that role Mm -hmm. was I was able to step into kind of business after business with each promotion over about five or six years and learn a whole new category. So there's a buying office set up like, for example, soft goods. And we bought like the scarves and the hats and the hair accessories and the cold weather. And you come in as a new assistant buyer or a new online buyer or the multi-channel buyer as I furthered my career. And you have to learn all about the business. You have to work with assistants and EAs and replenishment buyers and you have to figure out like how to drive the business forward, how to make things better. So it's a little bit of a mini um, business lesson every time you moved roles in that environment. And I loved that work. I ended up going back to school and getting my MBA in the evening while I was a multi-channel buyer for Nordstrom. So flying to New York, it sounds a little bit more glamorous than it is, but you know, New York buying trips, truly just head in spreadsheets like nonstop going to school at night, Skyping in from like 9 p.m. to midnight because I'm from oh, wow. Seattle and school was back in Seattle. It was crazy. But you know, out of there, I ended up getting recruited into an executive development program for T-Mobile. It was pretty competitive and they were really looking for that early leadership experience that They were looking for folks who've led big teams kind of early on in their career. So at this point, I'm, you know, 30-ish, and I've been leading teams for a while. And I stepped into this rotational program with T-Mobile and was tasked to essentially move to a new city that I've never been to, didn't know anyone. This was Salt Lake City from Seattle and lead a district of stores in an industry that I've never worked in and had to drive growth and succeed and bring you know people together and everything had to be you know in the up up and right trajectory to move on to your next rotation. So from there I moved into a retail strategy position where I worked on new store concepts and kind of human strategy, the people behind the role continuing on with that customer experience focus that I've really had a lot of passion for. And then a position opened up becoming where I, where I ended up becoming the chief of staff to the president of T-Mobile for Business. He had never had one. I had never been one. And I was tasked to figure out, what did he need? How do I create what he needs? And I ended up having to basically build a team of about seven or eight folks on my chief of staff team to drive all the things from business planning to engagements to events and communications. Oh, goodness, prioritization, business process, really the full gamut. So, from there, I loved the work. I felt like I'd finally found career alignment in the chief of staff role, but I really wanted to focus on kind of that mission driven for profit sector and support high growth startups doing consulting. So, that's what I do now, in addition to just
0: launching this course. I love that. I love that that career growth and trajectory. What do you feel was a common thread among all of those different positions? that really benefited you moving into a chief of staff role? Yeah. You know,
1: the breadth of experience, the ability and desire and passion that I had and the opportunity I had to work on a lot of different things and get experience in a lot of different places. And I I keep coming back to this. I feel like nowadays or in the school environment, or maybe even in the professional environment, we're often told that we should be figuring out what we want to do. What do you want to specialize in? What is your thing? Mm-hmm. And that's just never been me. I've loved always doing a lot of different things, probably like you and other chiefs of staff. I yeah. feel good at a lot of things. It's like, I, I enjoy the create the creating side, the creativity. I enjoy the building side. I also enjoy the execution and owning work. So, you know, I think the common theme would be that. And then probably the other piece is just continuing to like step in and learn a new business, learn new process, figure out how to drive something forward, make it more efficient. Mm. And I'd really come to every role with that curiosity and kind of drive to like first learn, understand, and then kind of revamp and make more efficient
0: and kind of figure it out that way. I love that. Yeah. I feel like there's a lot more talk of generalist roles than ever before or that I've seen in a very long time. Do you, would you consider yourself a generalist? You know, I kind of refer to this role as like that generalist leader.
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. That's how I describe like how how would you know you're great for chief of staff role or, you know, you'd be a, a good fit for this course. Generalist leader.
0: I I definitely would call it that. Yeah. 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 What's one thing that you wish you had known before you moved into that that first chief of staff position at T-Mobile?
1: Oh my gosh. You know, I think that I keep learning and telling myself that it's okay to fail. And something that T-Mobile does really, really well is like failing fast. And that probably comes from being kind of that, you know, they're a huge company now, but really being the underdog for a long time and trying to act in that quick, kind of startup culture way. That was a theme at Nordstrom, too, like it's okay to fail. It's okay to fail. but I don't know if I ever truly felt that way inside, and maybe maybe throughout my career, I've, mm. you know, become more okay with it. and and by failing, it could mean a lot of things. It could mean your executive said, you know, can you put this extra bullet on the PowerPoint next time? Or it could be, you know, hey, that hire really didn't quite work out. Or it could be, you know, maybe your team's dynamic isn't where it should be right now. Fail is a big word, but really, yeah. it truly means like, it's okay to have these opportunities.
0: And that's really where we learn. How Well, did you have fear around failure at, at earlier in your career? And if you did, how did you work through that? I, I just think that we talk a lot about failing yeah. forward, but it's a lot harder to yeah. actually embrace.
1: Yeah. Oh my gosh. I mean, any, any other like perfectionists or recovering perfectionists on the listening in? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hallie and me. Yeah, absolutely. I think I was, you know, raised with a very career driven mother and I definitely got that bug too. And I absolutely felt like everything always, I, you know, had to be that, you know, perfect in different ways. And, you know, I think the main things that have helped me with that, well, mental health, making sure that you are, you know, in therapy when you need to be, that you're taking time away from work to regroup. Meditation really, really helps, I think, kind of Coming back to the grounding and what's really important, I think making mistakes and figuring out that it's actually going to be okay, <laughs> and and finding out that like, hey, I made a mistake and I'm still I'm still killing it. Things are good. My my boss is happy with me. You know. And, and on that note, women like historically we just take less risks. And there's a great book called The Confidence Code that highlights some of the research about this. But yeah. quick recap is really women and girls are kind of made for that school environment. And I'm, I'm generalizing here, kind of taking from the book, but we women often, we kind of you know sit in our desks, we color inside the lines, we listen better, ends up that we are getting in trouble as much in those early childhood environments Man. in school. Boys are not quite set up for school as well as girls are at that age. They're all over the place. They're you know, outside of their seats. They're getting in trouble a lot more. They are, quote, Failing, or you know, whatever it might be, and figuring out really early on that it's that you know they continue to move forward. They continue to be just fine. They're going on to that next uh, grade or that next practice or, you know, competition or whatever it is. Hmm. And that whole, you know line of thought transitions all the way through to entrepreneurship and why there's so many more men to women and athletics, confidence there. I mean, it's it's a really good book if this kind of hmm. topic. Yeah. Perks your interest.
0: Yeah, that's super interesting. It makes me wonder, and I don't know if the book talks about this, but it makes me wonder if um, boys are more, again, like general generalization. Boys are more apt to feel forward in that way because society believes that that's oh, like that's the way that they're just supposed to be, or that that's the way they naturally are. Oh my gosh. So then they. They get that experience, right. right? Like, which one comes first? Yeah. I'm sure there's a little bit of both in there, right? But that's very interesting.
1: You're so right. Like, yeah, they get the pass,
0: yeah, exactly, <laughs> right? Because, yeah, and it's very interesting and yeah. in, in, right, and like what cultural or societal constraints have been put on girls, and then that's why they do sit in their chairs. I think yeah. it's a natural behavioral thing right. for them to do. I think it's fascinating. Yeah. Oh my gosh, yeah, uh, me too. We can yeah, talk for hours about this. I know. <laughs> you no, know, I actually saw a job ad the other day, and, and I've seen this, uh, like this concept or that people talking about this often. But I think it's the first time I've seen a job ad that mentioned it. And I can't remember exactly what it said, but something to the effect of, "We know that historically or statistically, women and minorities don't. I don't know if it's in minorities, but women and." anyone who is not a man does not apply for jobs that they don't feel like they checked no. the box on every single piece of the job description. Yes. We highly yes. encourage you to apply for this role even if you don't think that you qualify for every oh. single piece. And I was like, man, that is really great. I actually am going to adopt that for any of our future job descriptions. Yes. I think it really acknowledges yes. a huge kind of gap, if you will, in the yeah. and recruiting process.
1: Yeah, the book highlights that that research. So 10 mm-hmm. out of 10 requirements are necessary for some for a woman to feel comfortable applying for the job, but only 6 out of 10 requirements yeah. are necessary for a man to feel comfortable applying for the job. So it comes back to confidence. It comes yeah, back to yeah. risk taking and confidence and our learned experience. But yeah, I love that that was in a job, you know,
0: description application I mean, add, and I love yeah. that you're going to adopt it. Yeah. I that. thought it was really really exactly. incredible that they posted that. Okay, so speaking of confidence, what, maybe I don't know if could, what the confidence metric here was for you, but what was like the catalyst for you moving from corporate to consulting? Did you feel like you, like where did, how did confidence play into that? And what did you learn along the way? Oh my
1: gosh. These are great questions, first of all, and things that it's are fun to reflect on because I really probably haven't reflected enough on them. You know, it took a lot of of, I guess, bravery maybe to leave that corporate environment. And it was very hard. I come from two higher education parents, four higher education parents actually, (laughs) who are, very, you know, there's a correlation there with very risk averse. (laughs) Somehow my brother is this wildly successful entrepreneur, builds houses out in the Westport in Washington state. And he's been an entrepreneur forever. He's kind of gone the other way. Mm -hmm. But I was, you know, probably trying to please everyone as the oldest child and went into that corporate environment. And I learned a lot and I love what I've done and I love my background. But I think kind of along those lines, I've always had a little bit of an entrepreneurial spirit, mm. especially since going back to get my MBA, I graduated in 2018 from the Foster School of Business. There's like a theme of constantly trying to figure out What's the white space? Where's that, you know, what do they call it? Blue ocean. What is a problem that needs to be solved? And I think my brain's worked that way for a long time, but I hadn't had words or articulation for it. And mm. finally, being in that chief of staff role, as I was mentioning my career path, my last corporate role, I finally had felt this really great career alignment. I loved the work. I felt good at the work. It was a great blend of the, you know, the art and the science, which my Nordstrom history also kind of had that blend. But it just wasn't quite right in terms of the application. I knew that I wanted to be in that startup culture. I knew that I wanted to build something for myself. Mm -hmm. So for me, it took, it really took me like. Planning and mapping out the move out of corporate and figuring out, okay, what is my offering, which is fractional chief of staff consulting, and how do I do this, and who do I know that I can talk to? I probably had like 50-plus informational interviews with people that I know or people who I know that they know. About how to be a fractional consultant, is this someone you would hire? I talked to a few people who've never heard of chiefs of staff and got their feedback on, well, i don't I don't quite know what I would use you for. And you know, so it's the education component too, and getting comfortable talking about yourself and getting t- comfortable talking about what your offer is. And then having a few people say, "Oh my gosh, I would hire you in a second if I was at this moment in my you know, journey right now with my company. or I know people who would absolutely you know use your services or who needs this so badly. So I think it was just, gosh, taking the leap, just going for it, and then having lots of conversations, lots of planning to feel like, you know, getting there one step at a time and feeling like I was on the right track.
0: yeah, that's that's really cool. I love that you spent time intentionally talking to those fifty people. I think that was actually maybe a missing piece for a lot of individuals who are going through career transitions or who want to make a move that you can do a lot of research, but then really actually talking to people and and getting real market data from the people who may actually employ you is really cool. So good move there. Well,
1: (laughs) thank you. And you know, I should tell you this story. The first consulting client, my my client now that I work with, I was at lunch. This was like the summer of 2021, I think. And I was at lunch, outdoor lunch, because we were still kind of in the heart of COVID, especially Mm -hmm. in Seattle. I was with my friend and I heard this table next door talking about their company. They were just saying, you know, we're so excited, we're doing these things. I couldn't really hear much, but I could tell that there was this really cool energy. So I just mentioned to them, hey, what company do you guys work for? Turns out one of the co founders of the company was at the lunch and we kept in touch. We kept in touch for over a year, I think a year and a half, and then they ended up hiring me as a fractional chief of staff consultant, and it's been a great relationship. Yeah, it is amazing, and I just love kind of how that whole symbiotic, serendipitous type of meetup happens, and the the relationship is just great, so I had to share that.
0: Yeah, yeah. I was going to say the power of networking, but I know not everyone loves that word networking. I really would say it's more of like, it's really just the power of human connection, and curiosity yeah. and for you confidence yeah. to just go talk to that individual and just be curious about what they're up to yeah. and, and start a conversation. I think that's amazing. Oh, thanks. <laughs> I still want to dig into your, your career a little bit here because I think it's very interesting, yeah. particularly the MBA. So I know I get a question, question a lot from EAs and Chiefs of Staff. Is an MBA necessary, particularly for that Chief of Staff role? And if so, like, what are your thoughts around that? Is it situational? Sure. Yeah. You know, I love this question because, again, you're
1: asking lots of great questions that make me reflect on my journey and how I, you know, give advice going forward. But the MBA for me, the biggest things I took away from it were truly confidence that I can figure anything out. I'm in a tough finance, mergers, and acquisitions class, it's not necessarily my thing but I figured it out. I knew my resources. I knew which students in the class, you know, were, were, do this for a living. Mm-hmm. I knew how to, you know, chat with, I figured out that I could just talk to the professor and get some extra help or basically kind of continue to surprise myself that I could do something. So Big thing was confidence. The other biggest takeaway for me was the, 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 truly the network, the people Mm. that I met. And that does become a bit hyper localized. So, you know, my big MBA network is back in Seattle. I'm in Lincoln, Nebraska now, or had a baby family move (laughs) out here where we have some support, but you know, so I'd say those are the biggest things I personally took from the MBA. Mm -hmm. Now, is it necessary for a chief of staff role? This is a multifaceted answer. There are chief of staff positions that, sure, they require an MBA. Right. There are chief of staff positions, yeah, that may require consulting background. And there are chiefs of staff that now I've continued to meet with and hear from through the chief of staff certification course that we'll talk about Mm -hmm. who are telling me, you know, I was an MBA, I was a, excuse me, I was an executive assistant and I just got elevated to a chief of staff role or my leaders putting a chief of staff role in and he wants me to think about if, you know, if I'd be great to move to that position. So the answer really depends on the chief of staff role. And the chief of staff (laughs) roles are so different depending on the industry you support, depending on the leader you support, your own personal strengths, a corporate, high-level corporate chief of staff to a fortune, you know, 100 company supporting a CEO or an EVP, maybe they do require extra schooling or whatnot. But there may be situations, there's plenty of situations where you absolutely do not need a huge educational background to be a chief of staff. The other thing that I think it's really important for executive assistants to think about, and truly anybody that works with a leader who's thinking about moving into a chief of staff role with that leader, is that you know more than you think. Maybe you think maybe you have all the confidence and you're like I would be a great chief of staff. But this is this is a comment for those people who are like I don't know, could I do it? Do I need an MBA? Mm-hmm. Truly, you are that leader's left hand, right hand. You are you know them better than anybody else, whether you've been with them for a long time or you're kind of newer in, let's say that executive assistant role with your leader. If you sit and reflect, you probably could figure out what do they complain about the most? Which leaders on their team do they, you know, maybe struggle to tell their story? What initiatives are constantly talked about that aren't getting done? Where are their meetings that just don't seem like they're really driving anything or much is coming out of it? So I would say, you know... Yes, we can talk about, you know, when an MBA might be necessary in certain roles, in certain chief of staff positions, maybe because the job description requires it. Right. But there are so many chief of staff positions that don't necessarily require it. And truly, one of the most important things, along with the ability to produce the work that's needed and drive initiatives forward, is that relationship with your leader. So, you know, I would just say, you know, think about what you do know, observe, reflect, take some notes, and you probably will be sitting in a pretty good position to kind of position yourself for that chief of staff role.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, obviously, I would say obviously, but obviously I agree moving from the, having moved from the EA to the chief of staff role, that's been my path. And I know that it does work, but I know that that's such a common question. So thank you for your perspective on that. (laughs) Another question we get too is, and you probably get this as well, is, how do you convince your CEO that they need a chief of staff in the first place? Or a, let let or even let's say you I have, I have identified an organization that you really want to work for and you want to present to them like, "Hey, I'm your perfect candidate to be chief of staff that you, you know, and you need one." How would you suggest somebody goes yeah. about doing that?
1: Yeah, you know, kind of coming back to the last thought there. If you're looking to move into a chief of staff role in an environment that you're familiar with, start with that, you know, reflect and observe. What are you seeing? What are the biggest things that are getting missed? What opportunities do you think that you could help drive forward or bring to the team? And once you've kind of, you know, put a little list together, maybe you have seven or eight things, narrow down those top three or four priorities. And put a recommendation together for your leader. Talk about, you know, get something on paper, if that makes sense, kind of for the formality of your environment or not. And, you know, schedule some time with them. And kind of first start with that very gentle, like, drip, right? Like, I'm seeing the need for a chief of staff role. Here's what I've learned about the role. Here's what one could do. And if you're wanting to position yourself for the role, here are several things that I think I could bring to the team if I were to be given the opportunity to move into this chief of staff position. And if you're not familiar with the leader or the environment that you're wanting to move into for that chief of staff role, I, you know, I think that when you're job interviewing, you're interviewing, you probably heard this before, but you're interviewing just as much for yourself as they are interviewing you. So who else can you talk to besides the person interviewing you? Can you figure out through your network, you know, go on LinkedIn, who else do you know or friends that who know other people at this company. Mm. Can you set up a quick 10-minute Zoom meeting? If you're local, can you, you know, buy them a coffee and stop by or meet somewhere? What questions can you ask about the work environment, the leader's style, the, you know, the main initiatives in the company right now and start to figure out is it a good fit for you and what could you bring to the position that you, you know, of the things that you've learned.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I, I love that. I've, I often tell executive assistants when I'm working with them, I'd love to, love to hear your perspective on what I tell them. <laughs> I tell them that because there are a lot of EAs that I chat with who do want to move into the chief of staff role or want a chief of yeah. staff position. And I say, well, yeah. the best place to do it is within your current company. That way, right, you've already built the rapport. Like you said, you've already built the relationships, the connections. Yeah. You, It's going to be much easier for you to move into a chief of staff role yeah. in your current company than outside of it. So I would I always say work on that first, and then if you decide you want to move a year later, two years later, to another chief of staff role, now you already have it on your resume, you have the experience. I don't know. I mean, is that a good a good route to go?
1: <laughs> yeah, I I would agree that that is probably the the first and best way to approach moving into a chief of staff role. Now it brings up a whole bunch of other things, right? Like okay, well. Do I still do both my EA job and the chief of right. staff job? The answer is no, no, don't do it for a lot of reasons. <laughs> oh, right. few, oh, yeah. You know, you want the leader to see you now in this more strategic position. You want the time to add your impact in this new position. How do you how do you communicate these changes? If, you know, your your leader has to set the tone. They have to be able to help you create those boundaries. You can, you can do your best too. You should be creating mm-hmm. those boundaries with your peers. You know, I'm doing this now. My replacement, you can contact for X, Y, Z. Your leader still has to be a loud voice in that to help with the transition. You know, you still, you, you need to accept a higher salary and negotiate for a higher salary always. As women, we take on more. We want to solve all the problems. We want to do it all, oftentimes without the recognition for it. It's very important that we, you know, if we're moving within the same environment into a new role with a higher, you know, status or just an elevated position, that those things are really thought through. Like, how do I set those boundaries? What does the transition email look like? How does my leader support me in this? So it is difficult once you're there, <laughs> but yeah. I completely agree that should be the focus is moving, moving in with your, you know, from your existing company.
0: Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, I I obviously agree with that. And uh, I always say, if you're putting a proposal together for the chief of staff role and you're presenting that to your principal, part of that proposal should include, yes, your salary raise, your increase, your compensation adjustment, as well as allocation for a salary for an executive assistant, because otherwise they're going to adjust to assume, sure, we'll give you a different title, no problem. Well, sure. Well, okay, we'll raise your salary, but no, 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 no. You can't forget the missing piece that you're also actually asking for a new staff member as well, in the form of an EA. Absolutely, yeah. And you know, the, maybe the caveat I would add there is
1: sometimes those conversations can come later. Like, but they have to happen, right? Not wow. later, like after you take the job, but after maybe you first propose the possibility of a chief of staff position. After you wow. first propose the idea of you feeling like you're ready for that role and wanting to take it on you know, after you then more firmly suggest, here's what I would do, here's the impact I would have. And then when you're in the conversation of, okay, let's figure out how we will actually tactically make this happen. That's when I would suggest, you know, well, perfect. I have this, you know, ironed out already. (laughs) and just like Hallie told me to, (laughs) let's sit down, let's talk about it. And, you know, let me know your feedback, but this is what I, this is what, you know, I'd like to ask for.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That, that's such great advice. I am like, Man, I just like I might just go in a little too strong. So the great advice that that maybe we should maybe we should build a, build some re, you know build a to conversation a little bit. So thank you for that.
1: Well, we know our leaders, right? I mean, yeah, you yeah. you have such a good relationship with yours that you're probably just able to say, "Here's the thing, let's get it done." Yeah. <laughs> some leaders yeah. might might be like, "Chief of staff, what even
0: is that? I don't yeah, need well, one." Exactly. So it might take a little more. Exactly. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah. Speaking of those two roles. I would love to hear a little bit of your thoughts on how a brand new chief of staff builds rapport with an EA that may actually uh, may be the incumbent in that in that ecosystem or vice versa mm-hmm. when you have a new a- EA coming in and there's, you know, an an older chief of staff who's been there for who knows 10 years or something. Yeah. How do you build sure. that relationship quickly and effectively?
1: Yeah, I actually have some material about this in the chief of staff certification course. Awesome. And I think it's be, and I have that because it's so important how we approach people is a lot more important than how we approach the tactical pieces of our job. And I think more often than not the chief of staff is going to be new in that in that relationship. The EA is most likely probably going to be the incumbent. They've going to they you know they will have supported their leader for Probably a long time, maybe, maybe a short time, but usually longer than a new chief of staff, especially when people are starting to hear about this chief of staff role and they're like, wait, I think I need one. Then mm-hmm. definitely. And with that, you know, I think the best way that I have found that I've, you know, suggested others approach that relationship is just how you would approach the role to begin with, which is a ton of curiosity and a ton of openness to learn. What do you drive? What do you do? Can you walk me through a day in your life? Like this is, these are all things that you should be doing as a chief of staff in your first, these conversations with somebody as important as an EA should really probably happen in the first couple of weeks. You really need to understand your most important relationships right at the beginning of your job. So you're, you know, you're sitting down, you're learning from the EA, you're understanding what they do and you're coming You know, to them, even if let's say you have a ton of educational background or you have a ton of experience, you've got to come from a place of humility, a place Mm -hmm. of learning, a place of respect, and understanding that there's probably some nerves happening. If that EA has never worked with the chief of staff, they may be worried, you know, that you're coming in and wanting to take some of their job from them or gonna tell them they're doing everything wrong. wrong And that is absolutely not the job of a chief of staff. Mm -hmm. You know, so I think that you can share with them, like, my goal is to really understand what you do. My goal is to learn how to best support the leader that we both support and make things more efficient, help where I can, and truly learn from you. Mm. And if you can approach and build that relationship in the first few months that way, I think it'll be a lot easier to implement some changes or suggest some new you know processes in the future. Wow. And when you do those things, like, getting the buy-on one-on-one first. Hey, I think I'm going to roll this out. Can we walk through this together? Does this, any feedback? Does this work with your flow? Just so, so, so important is that relationship.
0: Yeah, completely, completely agree. I know it can feel, I mean, even as a, as a chief of staff who would often have to bring in an EA and me being the incumbent very often, it it's still threatening. It feels threatening to bring on an EA because sure. I want to hire somebody who's better at that That's role fair. than me. And who is going to absolutely kill it yeah. in that position. And that can, you know, feel yeah. a little scary when you're making that higher. But yes, when you approach it exactly like you said, like it's an important relationship, you approach it as a team, you really make sure that you're working together to solve issues. You just have two different pieces of the puzzle and you're, yeah. you know, working together on that. Yeah. All right, so it. let's dive into the certification <laughs> that you launched. I'd love for you to tell us all about your new course, why you created it, who is it for and and what can people expect.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, the chief of staff certification course, you know, truly it is for, we touched on a little bit of this, but I'll kind of go through it. It's really tr- truly for those generalist leaders, the people who love to do lots of different things, they like to drive and own components of their role. Execution is a strong point for them. Often, I I share that you know the chief of staff role is great for somebody who you know you you've got to be really organized, but you can be organized in your own way. So, are you the one of your friend group that plans all the trips and coordinates with everybody and sends the emails and you've got the you know the Excel shared doc and everything? Great. Are you the student or the person with the color coded notes and all the different sticky notes like? Perfect. Organization can look different. You know, all of our brains work differently, but you've got to kind of have a passion for seeing a lot of details, reducing the noise, making things go more efficiently, presenting them in a really organized way. So that could be, you know, maybe I'll jump back for a second, when I was in my MBA program, I mentioned earlier, like I was, I was constantly being asked, what are you gonna specialize in? What is your thing? Is it finance or accounting or mergers and acquisitions? No, it's none of that. I loved being that generalist leader. I liked working on a lot of different things. And I created the course because if somebody had told me about the chief of staff role in my undergraduate business program or by, during my MBA, I would have found the role a lot sooner. And, you know, after leaving T-Mobile and after building that chief of staff team, I was sitting there with my mom talking about how I just couldn't believe (laughs) that there wasn't like a course out there that taught you how to, you know, write briefs and build strategic recommendations and put complex offsites sites together. Like, why didn't we learn any of this in school? We always say that. Like, let's learn some hands-on <laughs> yeah, things. Yeah. And you know, why doesn't this exist? There's a million project management certifications out there. Why don't we have this? So that's why I created it, started about a year ago. And, you know, so you know, I talked a little bit about who the course is the great for, who the role is great for, but Obviously, there's a huge subset of executive assistants who are those, and, and other roles too, who are those driven achievers. You want more. You want to continue advancing your career. You want more, a more strategic role, bigger responsibility, some ownership of key initiatives. You know, truly a, a leader should be, a, a CEO, president, founder, they should truly be vi- focused on future vision, their head up, eyes forward, where their team their chief of staff are focused on executing their main initiatives. Often we see those leaders like heads down, they're doing tactical things, they're checking in on all the millions of follow-ups that need to happen. That is why Achieve of Staff is important. So kind of trying to share a lot of this so you can understand like, oh, that could be, you know, I would like that work or maybe that doesn't sound quite right for me. So that I guess brings us to the course. The course is composed of six modules or weeks, but the, it's completely asynchronous. So you can start, stop, continue at any time. We have like a four month kind of window on the course, but if students need more time, you can request it, no problem. There's instructor feedback. There's probably gosh, 20 plus assignments that come down to hands-on practical creation of content. So, you know, module one is all about deepening the understanding of the chief of staff role. So you're kind of researching, you're reading some articles, you're really trying to round out your understanding of the role. And then modules two, three, four, five, and six are all about that content creation. So you Module two is basically business planning. You receive a ton of templates and tools that you can build work in from, you know, agendas and calendars and project management, tons of stuff that you can take with you after the course as well. In that second module, you'll build strategic briefs and recommendations. Module three is all about events, communications, and storytelling. Module four is kind of that Executive project management and priorities. So, you'll sit there and listen to your leader kind of brain dump for five minutes, and you'll take all of that information and put it into an executive project management tracker Mm. where you can note next steps, who's, you know, which leaders on point, maybe it's you, what are the key dates, the priorities, et cetera. Module five is filling the gaps. The chief of staff role is often responsible for lots of other things. (laughs) If there's a gap in the company. So, you know, you'll put together an employee, kind of kick off a newsletter process. We'll talk about how to approach finance in a new role. It's not a heavy financial course. If there's not a heavy financial module, maybe that'll come down the road. But the reason that I went this approach is because all of our backgrounds are so different in terms of, you know, kind of our financial literacy. And Every company that we support is also so different in terms of the key performance metrics that they, you know, track and need to be aware of. So it's really about how to approach a new financial environment. And then module six is a mock is is the the last module and the final assignment is truly like a mock meeting with your leader where you sit down and record yourself. You present. You're basically sitting down with, for a meeting, presenting several material, several course items that you've already prepared, walking through here's an update on this, you know, offsite that we're planning. Let me walk you through this, you know, engagement recommendation that I've made for you, et cetera. And you're doing that. So tons of assignments, you get instructor feedback on over a handful of them. And then you'll have instructor touch points with me at the beginning of the course, at the end of the course, open office hours every week. So yeah, that's kind of, that's the structure of the course.
0: Yeah, that that's so great. I really love how hands-on it is with the assignments. I think that's going to make such a huge difference. I know that it's something that I would have loved to have in the beginning of my chief of staff career. Me too. Knowing what a brief was, or knowing what a you know, <laughs> strategic plan was, or a proposal, or any of that stuff. Yeah. I mean, it's so good. But is it does, does it match the size or, size or, or the stage of the company for this course, or is it applicable to all stages and sizes?
1: Yeah. I did my best to make it applicable to all stages, all companies, to different individuals and their backgrounds too. So I think you know an EA would be great for this course. A student would be great for this course. And also, I just had a director of investments for an investment accelerator go through the course, and she told me that she you know got tons of great resources, hands-on practice. She felt like there was a big emotional intelligence component to the course, mm-hmm. which I was thrilled about you know, how to approach things and confidence in your role and different, different things like that. So truly it's, it's also for experienced professionals who maybe want to brush up on some of these things, or maybe you've never built a brief and you're like, gosh, I should know how to do that. So when students reach out to me, I tell them to really go through the syllabus, which by the way, I'm happy to send anybody and go through each assignment to see if, you know, at least 50% of those kind of hands-on practice things would be valuable to you. Mm. If they would I would suggest taking the course. If you don't think so, then I would say, you know, find a different opportunity for furthering your, you know, educational advancement.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So at this point, I know the course has been out for a little while. You're starting to have graduates from the course, which is really exciting. What's, so you just shared some of the feedback from that one individual. Are you getting like any, are you starting to see any patterns in some of the feedback, results people are seeing from the course? Yeah.
1: You know, we've got about 35 people in the course right now, a couple graduates, and I continue to hear how much everybody loves that first module where it just reinforces the like, what is a chief of staff <laughs> <laughs> that we all know, like the questions out there, like what really is it? And I'm getting a lot of ahas like, okay, I finally understand this. It's given me a lot of clarity. Now I know that it can be different things. It can, a chief of staff can be different levels of in a company, junior, senior, whatnot, and i think it's giving people the confidence to just know how to approach the role and the course better. So i'm i'm really happy i included kind of that deep review of the of the chief of staff and yeah. just title in general, but otherwise i think people are appreciating the hands-on nature a lot. I had another graduate tell me that he used now this is a police commissioner, which is just so cool, that well, a police commissioner confident. who leads 1200 people in the in a bureau in the midwest, they're introducing a chief of staff role to his Bureau at the end of the year. And he wants to either help hire and develop it or potentially be a candidate for it. And he told me that he used the, uh, there's a there's basically an assignment where you put a sales presentation together and you record yourself giving that presentation. And I give feedback on that presentation and I give a lot of feedback. I, pre- I pretend that you were presenting to, you know, the president of the United States. Yeah. So he took that presentation and was able to, he told me that just like the day after he graduated, he had to present to a police academy board and that it went so well. He was getting texts afterwards that he was more prepared and the presentation was more polished than they'd ever been. And he said he used feedback from me about how to tell your story and feedback around and the templates around how to build the presentation to to be successful. So that's like the most rewarding thing for uh-huh. me. I just like feel warm and fuzzy when I'm mad. That's a <laughs> yeah,
0: huge, so. huge win. Yeah. When people are actually taking what they're, what they're learning and putting it into action and getting and seeing some tangible feedback or results from that. Oh, that's amazing. Very cool. Thank you. Thank you. Cool. Well, I know that you're obviously focused on the certification right now. Are there any other things that you're working on that you can tell us about? You know, um,
1: well, I had a baby in January, so that's, I guess I should say priority number one, (laughs) six months old. So Even though I launched the course just a couple months ago, I truly am trying to kind of work part-time. I'm working, I'm, you know, consulting, chief of staff, fractional chief of staff Mm -hmm. consulting half-time. And then, you know, the course is taking a lot more effort right now because it's exciting and we just launched and I want to be very, very hands-on for as long as possible. But my true focuses right now are probably those three things, the, yeah. the new baby, <laughs>
0: consulting, and the course. <laughs> cool. What's the best way for people to connect with you and to learn more, well, about your fractional chief of staff work, because we may have people on here who want to get in touch with you sure. about that, as well as the certification, where can they find you and connect?
1: Yeah, so the Chief of Staff Certification course, you can go to COS Certification, so Chief of Staff abri- abbreviated, COSCertification.com, and learn all about the course, read a ton. I've got a bunch of kind of reviews and testimonials on there, too. And you can also email hello at COSCertification.com to request the syllabus, to ask any specific questions you have around if the course is right for you. We were, we're happy to walk you through, you know, our, our, you know, genuine feedback on, on all of that. Consulting wise, Maggie dot consulting.com is where you can reach me for that. And Hallie, I also wanted to offer your, for those, for those listening, I wanted to offer a special Hallie offer, which is basically if you, if, if anybody listening enrolls in the course and you're interested in a coaching session, like a 30 minute coaching session, when you graduate from the course, I would love to offer that to your community for free, included in, you know, included in enrollment where we can talk about, you know, what do you do next? How do you approach the, the you know, your job transition or your interviewing or the new role first 90 days, having tough conversations, negotiating, whatever really you want to you you want to talk about. I I'd, I'd love to offer, you know, coaching to anybody in your community that wants to sign up for the course.
0: Amazing. Thank you so much for that. I think that that is going to be a huge value add to anyone listening to this call to take that certification course get 30 minutes with you. That's very generous of you. Thank you for doing that. Um, Yes. Yes. I love that kind of thing. So I'd love to. Cool. Well, we'll put all of the links to everything that you talked about in the show notes and can't wait to continue to watch what you do in this chief of staff space. It's super exciting for me. And I really appreciate you being on the podcast today.
1: Yes, we'll write back at ya and I'd love to come back at some point and we can catch up again. This has been awesome. Thank you.